to Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations, and authentic storytelling. I'm your host, Lisa Buffo, the founder and CEO of the Cannabis Marketing Association. You can find us on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer, or you can find me at Lee Buff or on Twitter at LeeBuff21. Whether you're new to this space, an experienced professional, or someone who is simply driven by curiosity about cannabis marketing, Party Like a Marketer has something for you. Today's conversation features Andrea Bollier. Andrea is the founder and creative director at Studio Linear, a female-owned boutique cannabis design company that works with clients in the cannabis industry, creating their branding, packaging design, marketing, and custom web design. Andrea lives lakeside in the beautiful state of Maine with her family in a renovated Andrea lives lakeside in a beautiful state Andrea lives lakeside in the beautiful state of Maine with her family in a renovated RV living the remote dream. Hi everybody, welcome to today's episode of Party Like a Marketer, the podcast dedicated to cannabis marketing, public relations and authentic storytelling. Today's guest is Andrea Bullier the founder and creative director of Studio Linear. Andrea, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Lisa. I'm so excited for this. And it's such an honor to be part of this podcast. Thank you. Of course. I am so excited to talk to you because I know you are an expert in cannabis branding, which is a question that we get asked a lot. And a lot of folks want to know about what is, what are cannabis branding best practices? What does the future Mm -hmm. branding look like? Where have things been? Where are they coming? And I feel like branding is one of those areas where we've seen leaps and bounds of progress in a really short period of time in the industry uh, due to professionals like yourself who have come in and really spiced up and sophisticated these brands. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to get into it with you. Thank you. Yes. So let's get started. And why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, who's Andrea, tell us about Studio Linear um, and give our audience a little, a little background on who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, thank you for the really nice introduction. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, obviously I'm a, I'm a designer um, by day, but um, when you really get to who I am, I'm also a mom. I have two wonderful kids, uh, an amazing husband. Um, and my background is actually in music. I went to college for music and horticulture. I had no formal training in design, so I'm all self-taught. Um, I remember learning Photoshop in the very early days uh, when it first came out. Um, and then, you know, it's funny how life, you know, the different paths that we took have led to um, Studio Linear Uh, coming to fruition. It was just something I really loved. And when we first started, though, we worked with a lot of musicians in the music industry because of my background. And we also worked in the food and beverage industry and since then have obviously shifted um, and pivoted to focus uh, mainly on the cannabis industry. And where are you located? Were you, are, where are you doing, you were doing music and now you're in cannabis. Where's that? Yeah. um, Well, I'm located in Maine. Um, so it's, it's pretty awesome here. My husband and I have definitely traveled and lived um, abroad and traveled a lot with our kids. This past summer, we actually renovated an RV and lived the RV life, which is not as glamorous as Instagram. Makes it seem. <laughs> um, but so yeah, I live in Maine. Um, I love it. It's where I grew up. Um, and it's where we came back to after so many years. And when did you found Studio Linear? Was it before you got into cannabis or is it your cannabis uh, agency? 
Uh, that's a great question. I actually started it many years ago, uh, working at night. Um, so I worked during the day. My son was one, and um, I had um, you know a daytime job, and also was a stay-at-home mom. So I started Studio Linear, working evenings from my kitchen when everyone would go to sleep, um, because it was something I loved to do. In the beginning, it was actually not called Studio Linear. There's a really dorky name. Um, it was called Creative with an F, Creative Design. <laughs> Um, which yep. I'm super embarrassed I ever called my business up. But anyway, I started it years <laughs> ago um, just because it was an outlet of creativity for me. So for friends and family, I would design logos and websites. And then, you know, fast forward so many years, uh, we actually, um, you know, I opened up a, a studio. And uh, when I had, when we had our daughter, um, when she was first born, I, I sort of looked at the business model and it, having a studio wasn't something that I actually wanted anymore for, for myself, my business. So we actually went remote about four years ago, which has been very beneficial, obviously, in these times that we all work remotely. Um, and I shifted to cannabis about two years ago um, because of personal reasons. I, you know, use cannabis products and it was something that morally I aligned with and wanted to work more with clients in that industry um, versus some of the other industries that we worked in. So you had a physical studio and was that named Studio Linear? And then you kept the, kept the Correct. name as you went remote? That makes sense. Yeah. Where, could you mind me asking where you got the name from? It actually um, came from my dad. So uh, my dad was a big part in, you know, finding this path. He always told my sister and I to find something that we love and make it our job. And Throughout life, you know, I never quite found that love, I guess, until I fell into design. And then, you know, all the doors started opening. It made sense. And so, of course, naturally, I came back to my dad when I was trying to think of a name and I explained, um, you know, what our process is like, like a linear process in, you know, you're starting your foundation and branding and moving through the process to an endpoint, which is launching. And we actually did. I know you hear people joke, like we sketched on a napkin. We literally did sketch it like on a paper <laughs> towel at our house. And so that's where the name came up from or came from. That's awesome. Yeah. Like any um, good, good branding professional, there's a story with it and the name plays into the, the concept. I love that. <laughs> so, um, so you are an expert in branding and we've got a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast at various stages of their cannabis marketing journey. So for the entrepreneurs in the audience, particularly those who are in the early stages of building their brands, what are some words of advice you have from that branding perspective? Like what, what do you wish your clients knew mm -hmm. at the beginning or, um, you know, any just advice you have for those who are in the early stage about how to approach branding for their business? That's a great question. And so um, we, we do get several types of clients who come through the door and one of them obviously is, is a startup, uh, in the industry. Um, and one thing I know that I can recommend is having a clear vision for who you are. I guess your brand voice or brand message is really critical and it helps a design team then take that messaging and develop creative or designs that then reflect that message. And so a, a good starting point, if you haven't already, is to work with someone probably in more specific in the cannabis copywriting or branding, brand messaging um, part of the business and trying to develop that first. Now, 
I know that you don't always have the time or the resources to do so. So it's not critical, but it's just a really nice stepping stone for an agency to, to then take um, and then build upon. I'd also say that, you know, when you're first starting out, like myself, when I first started out, obviously resources, um, funding, you know, budget, it's all very, very important. And so we work with startups who come through the door who, you know, there is a budget that has to be kept in mind. I would say be as transparent and open about what you feel comfortable spending right off the get-go with any agency. That way you don't get into a situation where expectations were this, but you didn't receive this. So uh, we're very open in trying to be flexible with clients and their budget, um, but it's just a good practice as we all know, to try to be as open as possible with our funds and budgets. And I love what you said about almost writing out and planning for that brand voice and what it sounds like. Cause I think with a lot of startups, I mean, it, it was even the case with CMA where the brand voice in the beginning, it's just the founder trying, you know, doing their best and putting out as much content as they can. And so it gets very intertwined, but to be able to say, okay, here's, here's, here's the company, here's what's different about the company's voice versus just Lisa putting out content and <laughs> writing it down so that it can be replicated by a marketing coordinator or a social media coordinator or someone who can come in and take that voice and, um, you know, take it, take it to the next level and start to even build that company culture by starting to define what the brand is outside of the individuals who are doing the work. Definitely. And I think it's also, you know, important to decide or discover, um, um, you know, assuming you probably already know this when you're starting your business, but really to hone in on what makes you unique. The cannabis industry is up and coming, but is also semi-saturated with, you know, yes, you know, certain products. So defining what it is that you're solving for a problem, if you are with a product, defining your, why you are unique uh, those things, even if it's a Google Doc with an outline, those things are critical when then, you know, transforming that into your branding. Yeah, and I think this has changed a bit more recently, but, it, you know, prior in the cannabis industry, it was like, why do you even need marketing? Like, if you build it, they overcome or weed sells itself. <laughs> and it's just not the case anymore. It is, it is very saturated and consumers have choice between products and, and brands. So all of those things, you know, they do make a difference. Mm -hmm. So, um, so if you are a startup and you are evaluating, you know, working with an agency or a professional, how do you do that? Um, and as a follow-up, you know, I want to hear a little bit about what branding services cost, but how do you evaluate a, a branding professional, um, particularly when it comes to things like design or, uh, you know, with marketing can be like, oh, I can promise 50% ROI running these campaigns because I've done this with other clients and in growth, it can be very numbers based, but design is a little bit different. So how do you evaluate that? And um, how might an entrepreneur approach, approach this uh, relationship? Sure. Um, I think you're right with marketing, you know, it is very numbers based with design. It's obviously very visual. So we oftentimes have clients who have come to us because they have seen something in our work in our portfolio or maybe Instagram that they really resonate with. They feel that we connect with um, our clients and have done a good job portraying um, our projects and clients um, uniquely. And so when, I guess when you're looking for a design agency, obviously you're going to be looking at their portfolio. And 
the overall, I think, design aesthetic that that company puts out. There's definitely, um, there's so many amazing, talented design agencies out there. Obviously trying to find one that might specialize in cannabis could get you a little bit further um, because there is that experience in knowing what is compliant, what isn't, um, and in, it could take you further. Um, but I think that first really having a, a conversation how willing is the design company to hop on the phone with you and, you know, learn about the project? And in that first, you know, 15, 30 minute call, do you connect with them? Does it feel like a good fit? Um, and just ask any questions that you have, find out how willing the company is to share their backstory and, and just the excitement, you know, like this is. I talk about my business is kind of like my third child, like the middle child. Yeah. You want a company that also shares that uh, passion for businesses. So I think it's just aligning with the right values. You see something you love and it just feels like a good fit. Yeah, I, I hear that. And um, approximately what do branding services cost? Like, is there a range? And I also want to add in there that, um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but some people have the assumption that branding is just a logo or it's just, you know, like it's just, sure. okay, I work with you, I get the logo and that's it. But um, that's not always the case. So can you, can you talk a little bit about that aspect of things as well as um, cost and how to ap approach that? Yeah, definitely. So there is that stigma that branding is just a logo. So if, if we do get an inquiry for, can you just make a logo? Oftentimes, we say no because there is a lot more to the process and uh, there are some companies out there who do a great job developing logos and we will refer them you know, to clients who request things like that. Branding uh, is sort of that all encompassing word and we do have clients who ask us, they'll say, this is kind of a silly question, but what is branding? What does that include? So branding really starts at that foundation, like we were talking about. It really, you know, if you haven't defined your voice yet or your brand messaging, that's one um, area that we dive into. But you can even step further back. And if you haven't developed a brand identity or a name, branding can start at that very, you know, first spot. So you can work on naming and then messaging. And then you dive into a collaboration. Uh, we always like to use mood boards and collaborating with our clients. We want to make sure we're on the same page. Um, we have quite a process for onboarding with intake forms and worksheets and all kinds of fun homework type of um, items that help us um, in those initial stages. And then you get into the actual branding concepts. And for us, a branding concept is primary logos, secondary logos like submarks. So your primary logo might be something that you're using, say, in the navigation on a website, but your submark is something that is perhaps pared down a bit that's used like on a social media icon or more simple, perhaps print or a stamp. Um, and then it goes even further into developing, obviously, your color palette, your font selections, your font pairings. And the most important thing, I think, is the brand guide, which is almost a do's and don'ts of what to do with your branding. It outlines the font choices, how to use them in very specific details, such as what font sizes to use, what not to do. You know, like we, we joke, like don't add flames, you know, behind it or don't add, you know, drop shadows and all these things. So we, we try to define as much as we can because throughout the years, as your business grows, you'll be using that brand guide to hand off to other people. And it's important that the branding stays consistent. And then the second part of your question, 
pricing. I know that all agencies have their own pricing uh, model, but for us, you know, a good starting point for um, our uh, more standard package would be around 4,000 to 5,000. It takes about two months to complete. And there are several of us who work on that. And there's a lot of time that goes into the research. From that though, we do have more premium packages, which loop in, you know, messaging with our copywriter. Those can go up to around seven, 8,000, et cetera. And we have some clients who, you know, money isn't really an issue and they want all the bells and whistles. So those packages can look more, um, you know, around 10 to 12,000 for complete branding. But that's more when you get into custom slide decks, that's more for your established businesses. And I think, um getting that done up front really can pay for itself over time yeah. because it saves you the time and energy of like often, I mean, for us, we found, you know, who's doing your social media might be a more junior person in their career and with your company. So having that very clearly written out and articulated is going to save you time as far as training. It's going to help them get clear on what success looks like and start to create that consistency of the brand, which your customers you know, in leads are going to remember over time and, and I agree. look more professional and a little bit, you know, I think all of us in cannabis are playing this game of like trying to punch above our weight class where we're trying to, you know, be a little bigger and do more than <laughs> maybe we actually are. And a really cohesive brand can give that effect. Yeah, definitely. And we've had some clients who have, you know, tried to tackle it themselves or had friends and family try to tackle branding, which is great, you know, if you have a talented member in your family who can do design, but sometimes if they aren't savvy with cannabis, you run into the issues of perhaps a logo not being compliant. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, unfortunately, you've invested time and energy into maybe marketing, so you have to step back, which then costs money. Yeah. And I, I would like to touch on the compliance aspect a little bit. What are, because it is, I mean, the foundation of everything cannabis in general, but definitely cannabis marketing, because those are the communications you're putting out to the public. And obviously what um, the government and regulatory bodies are concerned about is making sure that that is clear and, you know, appealing to the right audience. So could you talk about some of the more important compliance aspect that would, um, kind of distinguish cannabis from, from every other industry and how that factors into your work and relationship with clients? Sure. I mean, I'll touch upon, you know, some, you know, regulations here in Maine, um, just because, you know, each state is so very different and we could spend, you know, five hours talking about <laughs> compliance from state to state. Yes. So, so here in Maine, when we're developing um, branding, it can't appeal to um, anyone 21 or under. And so it's like, well, okay, well, what does that mean? Um, it could mean things like not using animals in your branding, you know, portray, you know, or any element of an animal. We have a client who came to us recently. They were simply using a very geometric wing pattern from a bird that didn't fly, no pun intended. Um, so we had to redo that um, for them. They just didn't know um, and been using that branding until, you know, they were um, alerted that that wasn't compliant. Were so they we were, alerted we were working with them the on were they, sorry, I forgot my me asking, were they alerted by the um, like authorities in Maine? I think so. So when they came to us, they said that we've been told we can't use this anymore. Uh, and we didn't ask them specifically who, you know, brought the smack down. But, yeah. you know, I think that they were definitely told. And so we're looking at refreshing that brand and taking it from that. It's very geometric. I mean, I, I would have trouble. I mean, I guess it's a wing, a bird wing. Um, so 
when you say, you know, it can't appeal to 21 and under, you're looking at not including people, cartoon-like imagery, um, you know, animals, et cetera. Um, so that's just some of the regulations that we definitely try to keep in mind. And when we dive into a project, a lot of our clients um, have done some research there and oftentimes do have a lawyer on retainer um, to go back and refer to and ask specific questions about what is and isn't allowed um, currently in their state because you know it's changing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the regulatory bodies too are learning as they go and see what's out there and, and adjust mm -hmm. it. We've seen it in other states with even can you put fruit on it if it if it's papaya flavor? Can you can you say that? Can you call that or or put cartoon fruit on there? Does that uh, apply to kids? We've seen that in some states too. Yes, yes, definitely. And there was one company here in Maine. We haven't worked with them, but I felt so bad because their logo was beautiful. Um, so props to whoever designed it. It was um, I think it's called Sea Sea Maine. Perhaps it had a mermaid, and it was a fantastic design. But unfortunately, you know, the mermaid is something that you know, I guess could appeal. I know my four-year-old, she loves mermaids. <laughs> so unfortunately that's something that does appeal to 21 and under. Yeah, definitely. And um, so, you know, I want to ask you the same question for brands who are a little bit more established. So once a brand itself is established, what, how would they work with you? Like, what do you do to maintain the brand itself and then continue to build that? What, what does that process entail? Yeah, I would say probably about 50% of our clients are established. And so oftentimes they've come to us because either they have a new CEO or they're looking to pivot within the company. They have been out there doing that and they, they feel like perhaps they're not hitting the right target audience anymore. Perhaps their work is or their company looks a bit stale, the branding looks stale on the packaging. So we oftentimes have that established client come to us. They are ready to invest. Um, they've gone beyond, you know, the startup, you know, budget range and are ready to dive into a more comprehensive brand. So at that point, we would really start with a brand audit. Um, our brand audit is a pretty intensive worksheet. We have a lot of clients who tell us that was quite a learning experience um, because they've learned a lot about the business. So it really is a deep dive into currently where are you you know, where's that gap and where should you be? Um, and it studies your competitors. So we start there. Um, and then we would um, formulate, you know, a plan that is going to either refresh the branding because we do have a lot of clients who are established. They don't want to alarm their consumers for something very different. So it's often a brand refresh, a refresh to the packaging. There might be some compliance changes um, that they have to now address. And then sometimes a refresh to a website and social, uh, social strategy. And then with our existing clients, we like to tackle and look at how their, say, a website is performing um, every year. And so we do recommend, you know, making sure it's, it is staying uh, not only compliant, but is staying relevant. Um, and it's good to be able to track how these campaigns, whether it's social or an SEO campaign, is behaving as it should. So it's important to dive in with that with our established clients. So you do you are merging the design aesthetic aspect of it as well as the growth aspect and making sure it's it's aligning as far as how you want it to look and what it's is it doing what what it was intended to do. 100% because those are, you know, we 
we like to use these projects in our own portfolio. And so if the project itself starts out great and, you know, dips down in, or it isn't hitting the market should, then that just, you know, reflects poorly on us as a design agency. You know, we haven't done everything. So when we work with companies, we often prefer to work with them either on retainer um, for things that come up that might need updating, or at least coming back to us um, each year to take a look at, you know, what we have created, is it still on track? Um, and just make sure it is um, and update as needed. That makes sense. And um, are there any stories you want to share that kind of bring to light what it's working cannabis branding? I know we talked about this a little bit and how, you know, even starting CMA, I, so many of us marketers are learning as we go, right? It's trial by fire. It's doing something on the job. It's learning on the job. A lot of it is certainly for me in the beginning was learning from colleagues and saying, hey, you've been in this industry a little longer. You've launched these campaigns. How did you do it? What did you learn the hard way? Um, and so there's so much to be gained from sharing stories. So do you have any, any stories like that that would um, kind of demonstrate the aspect of what cannabis branding is like? You know, I think that um, well, that's a really good question. I'd even go back further and saying before we were in cannabis, you know, like you, when I first started, I mean, I had a background in music, so I truly didn't know what I was doing. So I, I did rely on other um, entrepreneurs, more specifically female entrepreneurs, um, because um, I just found that, you know, there was some that I really looked up to and um, aspired to be like, and they sort of took me under their wing in the very beginning stages. As I dove into cannabis, um, I relied a lot on um, connecting with memberships like, like Cannabis Marketing Association because I wanted to learn as much as I could. So in the very beginning, um, putting our feelers out there, uh, testing the waters, seeing you know, what we can learn from other webinars and just sitting back almost as a student and taking it all in um, and then sort of refining who we are that way. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It does. Yeah. Um, and thank you. I mean, that's partly why we created CMA was because that, that is that is kind of the way to learn just in the beginning because it is yep. so steep. And some of these things are, we'll just say fairly subjective. I mean, even your story about the mermaid and the wings, like that might, mm -hmm. some, some people might see that as appealing to children. Others might not, but there's a lot of that gray area that we as in this industry face and as marketers face trying to, you know, kind of chart that path forward. So that, that community aspect um, really does help as well. Mm -hmm. So as, as a follow-up to that, I mean, for those who are, and to your point about music, I always think it's funny because I think music is like, like the best first cousin of cannabis as in terms <laughs> of those industries. It's just, they pair so well together. Uh, I've loved meeting folks who have come from music who, who work in their space. They're always so creative and uh, so interesting to, to speak with. But um, so if you're new to the industry, but maybe you're an expert in branding or really any other kind of marketing vertical, but you want to apply those skills into cannabis, um, how, do you, how do you break in? How did you do it? What are kind of those first steps um, if you don't have a portfolio in this space, but, but, but want to get one? Sure. For us, you know, our first cannabis client, we, we weren't obviously advertising that we were in cannabis and a cannabis company approached us with a dispensary and they wanted branding and packaging. And um, 
I took that opportunity to really ask them as much as I could. Um, and I, I had a really wonderful working relationship with their marketing team where I felt very comfortable being very transparent and like, I love working in cannabis. So I want to learn as much as I can from you. But in addition to that, um, I spent a lot of time on the side listening to as many podcasts, like obviously like things like this, listening nonstop um, and trying to find out uh, who our dream cannabis client is, where do they hang out? Um, how can I find them? How can I market to them? So for me, it was really not having a background in this was really just testing the waters. Like I said, getting involved in as many memberships, as many webinars, podcasts, you know, virtual events as I could. Most of my time still is spent doing that because we have to stay, you know, with what is trending, stay current on everything. So a lot of my time now um, is, is spent doing that and not as much design time anymore. Um, so that's really how we dove into it. And I just asked questions. I wasn't afraid to ever ask, you know, those silly questions. Um, sometimes people wouldn't write back, but then every once in a while, someone would, and they take time to explain a process or who they use. And the community around the cannabis industry, I think is like no other community I've ever worked in. Yeah, It's not competitive, or if it is, you know, we do a great job uh, hiding that. <laughs> it seems like it's, you know, everyone wants each other to succeed. And so I have found that if I do have a question, I easily can ask it, like say in the CMA Slack channel, I can ask a question and I get a ton of responses and you don't get that in any other industry. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it does have, um, I came from tech before cannabis and it, mm -hmm. the camaraderie and the rising tide raises all ships sort of mentality is, is very different. Um, well, since you mentioned trends, I'm curious, what are some trends that you're seeing from the branding perspective? Any, any kind of shifts you've seen over the last few years or things that are popping out in the forefront for you? I know we've seen certainly more of a sophistication as far as what a, a modern cannabis brand looks like, I don't know how to articulate that in terms of design words, but uh, any trends that you're seeing that are, are worth sharing? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I used cannabis like way back in college and it was very, you know, Cheech and Chong. It was very, uh, so we didn't call it cannabis. We just called it weed, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and it was very different <laughs> um, and it was not the same now, you know, now when I look at cannabis, I feel like you're getting a lot of those luxury brands. Um, you're getting away from that tie-dyed look and you're getting into more of a lifestyle brand where cannabis is almost transcending just a product and is becoming part of our ritual, part of our lifestyle. Um, and it is also hitting upon benefits. You know, cannabis is curing, you know, certain issues. I know myself, I use CBD oil for joint pain, having RA, um, CBG oil for ADHD. There's reasons why I take them. And I see that in the cannabis industry as a big selling point. And what we're noticing that people are now marketing more and more, it is to help heal something and it's a healing plant. Yeah. <laughs> so we're seeing that. Yeah. And I've, I've always found it so interesting that, um, you know, the healing aspect is a, is a spectrum. There's sort of the heavy medical over here. Uh, you know, you've got wellness in the middle and then 
you know, we can argue adult use or recreational purposes on this other side, it's not so black and white with it. And there's a lot of folks who are purchasing through, they don't have med cards, but they're purchasing through the adult use market, but they're using things for medical type purposes. Um, and I think that does play into the marketing and branding aspect of what these what these companies are doing and how they're putting it out and conveying that messaging in a way that is less cut and dry than any other industry or space I've seen as far as uh, something tangentially related, whether it's medicine directly or health and wellness. Cannabis has this really broad, beautiful swath of products and innovations and companies that are um, communicating what these what this plant can do. And I, I just find it so interesting to see when new brands come out, how they're how they're showing that, how they're messaging it, and how you know even that conversation comes through when you're talking with the bud tender or reading their sales materials. Yeah, I, I love it, and we're pretty lucky to be in the industry because our clients are coming to us because they saw a need for something in the cannabis industry, and they developed you know the product because they saw that need. How great of a time yeah. that we can live in right now that there's a gap and we're like, okay, then I'm just going to start the business because it's not there. We're also seeing a great trend in moving away from alcohol and looking more at like CBD infused drinks and working with clients in that industry, which I personally love. And that's one of the perks of working in the industry is that you yeah. get to sample all the products. Yeah. <laughs> it's market research. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Always. Yes. I love that. I am. Um, it has been hard with uh, missing in-person events and the ability to connect with folks and, and try new products in a more sort of industry-friendly social way over the last year and a half. But it, it is exciting to see that slowly starting to come back. Mm -hmm. And what are some things that you wish you knew at the beginning of your cannabis career? Any hard-earned lessons mm -hmm. you're, you're willing to share? Like, wow, that would have made such a difference if I, I knew that a few years ago. Well, I think that we slowly, you know, as when, when we first started, um, we weren't as on top as, of, you know, researching what is compliant or regulatory. So we would develop um, branding and then, then it would go to like a lawyer after the fact. And so I wish that in the beginning, we had double checked with our clients to make sure that they either knew, um, you know, right off the bat what was allowed in their um, state. You know, we do our side of research, but we found that, you know, sometimes it is best when the client has the budget to have a lawyer there um, to help sort of oversee everything. We sort of have a checks and balances system. So we like to say the client, you know, obviously has done their research. We do our research, they have a lawyer, and then we even have, um, printers that we work with that act as sort of our fourth checks and balances to make sure we, you know, that icon is the right color, the font's the right color, et cetera. So I wish in the beginning I had known that there was so much to that part of it. And that's why it's so important. Other than that, I think that the only other thing I wish I had known, and this is more of like product use, is uh, I have a wonderful client and her company, they develop edibles. And she, as a gift, gave me a bunch of edibles and lemonade and THC infused lemonade. I wish I had known the proper dosage before I drank the whole bottle. That's only, it's a hilarious story that <laughs> I drank way too, you know, it's that edible story where you don't think it's working. So you just keep on. So I kept on. And uh, I remember looking at my husband just being like, help me. Like it all yeah. hit at once. So I wish I had known to pay attention to the dosage. <laughs> I feel like everyone in cannabis has that accidental oh my God. myself story <laughs> that's happened. It's so true. 
it that's, how, that's how you learn. And to yep. your point about um, uh, marketers in this industry have to become compliance experts, regardless yeah. of what um, sec- you know what kind of vertical within marketing they touch. That is very unique, I think, to cannabis, and can be um, hard if you're a creative or you're a you know a growth growth hacker or a social media person where you're like, I'm here to create and design and you know put out content, not read hundreds of pages of legalese and make sense 100%. of it 100%. Yeah. When it's not a black a black and white thing and and can change frequently and over time. I know, you know, we're based in Denver and in the early days here, you know, it was like every 6 months update to the rules, change in the regs, packaging is looking different now and it's slowed down and evened out a bit, but it, it's a lot when you're you're not an expert in those things by trade and you have to learn to do that and marry it with your craft or profession as well. But I do think the ability to do that and persevere is the hallmark of a really good, not only professional, but, but cannabis marketer and sure, it's and worth their weight in gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And you're, you make such a good point that it is challenging as a creative, because oftentimes you want to just run, you know, with this idea and in cannabis, you almost have to just sit patiently for a little bit and make sure that what you're dreaming up will be okay. And so it's a very, um, it's like a balancing act. Um, so in a way though, I think that that's what I love about it. Yeah. And, uh, that's, what's helped to sort of ground us in a way it's, it's great. It's challenging and also creative. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to touch on your point about packaging a bit too, because I think packaging is one of those where, um, it can be a very expensive to make mistakes in packaging. And if you aren't either compliant or clear that your packaging is up, up to speed and um, go, going to pass you know, these compliance tests, it can really cost a brand a lot of money. So it is in their best interest to make sure that who they're working with, they know that they know what they're doing from that marketing and design perspective, but that they can also say, here's how this translates to your physical products and your packaging. And you're not going to need to order, you know, hundred thousand new, you know, new units because oh my it, goodness, it was yeah. wrong on the first time. Yeah. That would be my nightmare. And like, that's the stuff that wakes me up. <laughs> so we make sure to partner with, um, as many local, um, companies as we can in printing who understand who specifically print in the industry. There's plenty of talented um, printers and, you know, printers who have the capabilities, but do they specialize in it? And can they send us, you know, a plethora of examples that we can then show our clients? Um, So I think that's really important uh, when working with a design agency to find out if they have printers um, that they can recommend that they work with, because that will save you so much in the end. Uh, And I prefer to try to use local companies. So we have some pretty awesome East Coast print companies here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Shop, shop local as much mm-hmm. as you can. Definitely when it comes to products too, it's much more environmentally friendly than, yes. you know, shipping from halfway across the world. Yep. So given all this, what is your number one piece of advice for cannabis marketers? And I'll keep this super broad. Anything you want to say is like number one for you. I think it is probably, um, I might have to think of this one for cannabis marketing versus um, versus cannabis um, companies. Is that the question? You can answer it however you want. If it's companies, that that's fine too. Just kind of your best piece of advice as a professional in this space. 
I think it is now because, you know, like we mentioned in the beginning, in the beginning, you know, it was all new in cannabis and pretty much anything you could think of, you could just throw it a wall and it would stick. But now, you know, it's definitely, uh, there's a plenty <laughs> of cannabis companies out there. So I think my biggest uh, tip would be to try to really find what does make unique uh, and not just hop on the bandwagon because you can, because you see you know, okay, this is a company or an industry that I can make money. And it is really having that value and that message that you can then bring to the market is really important, I think. And it's what we're seeing our clients who do have that foundation, who take the time to really nail out that portion are the ones that we're seeing that are really thriving and taking off. They're developing unique products. Um, they're seeing gaps in the industry where they can they have room to develop something really new. I think that would be my biggest tip. And it's a it's a good point because I think what you said, tying back to the beginning uh, about even finding who your dream client was, right? Like knowing your unique selling point, USPs as marketers like to say, as well as your ideal buyer persona are foundational good marketing best practices as a whole. So kind of regardless of what, area of marketing or cannabis that you specialize in, knowing that and having that upfront is going to make the path forward so much easier. Yeah, definitely. You know, looking at your business and so you want to start a business in cannabis, that's amazing. And then finding out, well, what is it, you know, there's so many different options and what is it that you want to, um, you know, put out there in the market and that you are passionate about because people really resonate with that and they can feel that energy. And like we mentioned in the beginning, you know, hopping on a phone with a design agency, see if they share that excitement. If you radiate that excitement and that passion about your business, um, you know, your customers also will feel that from you and that give back. We're also seeing uh, companies who are launching businesses and giving back a portion or looking at sustainable practices. There's a whole plethora of different things and different avenues that you can look into. And I think that passion aspect is really important because anything you do starting a business is hard. And then anything you do yeah. starting a cannabis business <laughs> is like four to five X can totally can be the difficulty. And if you don't really care, um, it's going to be hard to keep the motivation to, to stick around. I know, I know for us, I mean, we started fairly early, but it took us so long to find a bank account, so long to find a payment processor, so long to find, you know, certain types of insurance that, it would take a, a normal small business owner an afternoon and a phone call sure. or, you know, a quick sales email. But here it's like, there's all these ask, all these nuanced layers of when you work in this industry that still is not federally recognized. Um, and, you know, cannabis is, is still a, a controlled substance that it, it does impact every corner of the business. So making sure you're really passionate about it, understanding it and, and willing to hang in there is going to make all the difference. Exactly. You have to really want it <laughs> yes. to make it in cannabis. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's not as um, sexy as it might look on, on social media, but we, right. we do our best. Yeah. So, okay. So with that, Andrea, you know, what are your predictions for the future of cannabis brands? You know, any kind of forward thinking thoughts as well as, you know, I'm curious, what are you most hopeful or excited about? Um, I, you know, I've been seeing and talking with um, a company here also in Maine, a very talented company that specializes in like v VR, AR, this digital dispensary, you know, like that really excites me. We're going beyond um, products and gorgeous, you know, product photography, and we're taking it to the next level where it's more of a AR experience. 
So I think that something that I'm excited about is to see things like NFTs and to see, um, you know, all this new digital tech meet cannabis, because it's definitely cannabis went to this luxury. And now I feel like it's shifting a little bit into a whole nother digital realm, which I love uh, spending, you know, time with computers. And I just really like to see that. And the idea of someday of being able to design like a virtual dispensary where you can go in, you know, with like your headset and virtually uh, interact with products, you know, on the shelf and purchase that way. I think that that is going to be amazing and hopefully some next trends. I, yeah, I agree. And I think COVID accelerated a lot of that yep. as far as, <laughs> you know, before it was like, you, you got to walk in the dispensary and the entire transaction happens there. And with COVID, you know, we did online ordering, curbside pickup, all these things yep. that were coming just, you know, accelerated that, that pace so much faster. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm with you on the, on the VR, AR, R, AR thing. I think it will be very cool to do. I agree. All right. Well, any other last pieces of advice or anything you want to share with the, the audience before we wrap up? No, I don't think so. I think we covered, you know, I think that, um, like we have mentioned, it's, it's a, an amazing community to be involved in. And so anyone who's thinking about starting up a business in cannabis, um, you know, you're welcomed with very open arms and, and, you know, any, any resources that you need and it's out there and it's a very open community that's looking to help. So I would say anyone who has any questions um, to feel free to reach out to us, we're always like excited um, to help. So if you have any more cannabis branding questions or packaging, just feel free to reach out to us and we can help answer or uh, join CMA and you can hop on the Slack channel, which I really love to do and ask questions <laughs> if I don't know. So I just, you know, I love it and am honored to be part of this, this whole industry. And where could the VRAR entrepreneurs in the audience get a hold of you? Yeah, I think, you know, they can obviously email me personally, Andrea at studiolinear.com. And we're pretty active on social. I would say I, I'm pretty, um, you know, active on Instagram. So you can message us on there, um, but feel free to shoot us an, an email and we're really quick to reply um, and would love to chat if anyone has any, you know, questions about that. And what are, what are your social media handles? Great question. <laughs> it's just at Studio Linear. So um, yeah, they can find us right on there. So we're really, it's just Instagram that we're most active. Uh, you know, once my parents were on Facebook, I was like, all right, peace out. I'm not, we're not really active <laughs> on, on Facebook anymore. So it's really just Instagram. Nice. Yes. And that's always, I, I love, I love following brands, Instagram pages, because you get to see all the art and design and um, geek out over it. So that's really mm -hmm. cool. Okay, Andrea, well, thank you so much for joining us today and taking the time and sharing your insights. And for everyone who's listening, if you have any questions or would like to connect with Andrea, she provided her information, but we're also happy to uh, facilitate that as well. And thank you. Thank you again. I really appreciate you bringing um, light to these issues and look forward to seeing the work you produce for uh, some more brands this year. Thank you, Lisa. This has been amazing. Thank you, everyone. Okay, everybody, thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Party Like a Marketer. Check us out on Instagram at Party Like a Marketer and on our website, thecannabismarketingassociation.com and engage with us. We love to hear from you. We'll see you next time for another episode next week.